You're listening to Now I've Heard Everything, interviews from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s with voices from the past. Pop was taking it in the usual Jack Lemmon stride, sort of in the background, going, yeah, 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 big, big movie star over here. Hello. Hello. <laughs> and finally walks over and he puts a hand on my shoulder and says, well, there you go, kiddo. All your life you've been Jack Lemmon's son, and now it's who's the old fart with Chris Lemmon. Actor Chris Lemmon. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. Well, with Father's Day coming up in about a week, I wanted to share with you today an interview I did a few years ago about a Hollywood father-son story. Now, for the better part of four decades, one of America's favorite actors was Jack Lemmon. He made over 60 movies. He was nominated for eight Academy Awards, and he won the Oscar twice for Mr. Roberts and for Eye of the Tiger. Younger audiences may remember Jack Lemmon for the comedies Grumpy Old Men and Grumpier Old Men. Well, starting in the 1970s, Jack Lemmon's son, Chris Lemmon, also established himself as a talented performer. He's a, an actor, a screenwriter, and a pretty good musician. Well, in 2006, Chris Lemon wrote a book, a tribute to his father, a book called A Twist of Lemon. But it was not at all like so many of those other Hollywood tell-alls. So here now from 2006, my conversation with Chris Lemon. I've heard so many writers over the years tell me that they found a good publisher, they were all excited, and then the publisher came back and said, you know, the marketing department would really like it if you could yep. tell us more about the affairs that your father had yeah, that, or you know, the scandals, you know. I was really very, very, uh, very aware of that going into this, and I'm not going to say there were any companies that would have done that, uh, but they certainly could have. And it wouldn't have worked in this case anyways, uh, because who the hell, what, what are you going to say bad about Jack Lemmon? There's nothing bad to say. And even if there was anything bad to say, nobody would want to hear it because everybody loves him so much. That's the, I, had, I, I was trying to think in my mind, who else, what other actor America has loved as much as you I, I think Jack Benny, maybe. Well, you know, yeah. And, and things along those lines. But it, the, the, you can count them on one hand. You know, Bill, I tell a wonderful story uh, uh, indirectly about Jack Benny in the book. Uh, the book is sort of a series of vignettes uh, and, and uh, 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 based basically on, on the um, uh, narrative of you know, my, my, father's, my father's death, my going through my father's death. And the only way I could really uh, fight against, you know, that horrible, those horrible last days when they're they're still there, but they're really not, and you're just by their side. And I'd hold his hand, and I'd sit next to him, and I'd just remember the great times we had together. And it was really the only defense I had, and that's really was the, was the, the you know the germ that 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 started the whole idea for the for the book. But there is one vignette that I tell in the story about uh, Hillcrest Country Club in a wonderful evening that. Pop and I uh, performed for George Burns' 95th birthday, and uh, uh, we went for a sound check and then went backstage. We had about an hour or so backstage before we were going to go on and roast George, and uh, and it was all of these wonderful, I call them the Starkers, uh, that, that used to sit around the round table at Hillcrest Country Club, uh, you know, uh, 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 George Burns and, and Milton Berle and Danny Thomas and the Marx Brothers and, and on and on, Sammy Kahn, uh, it, it just these... Jan Murray, just these wonderfully delicious men, and of course, and they were telling stories. It doesn't make a long story short here, which is almost impossible for a lemon. <laughs> uh, George Burns actually had to time them. They're, the stories were so funny and so prolific, uh, and you you'd sit there and go, "Okay, uh, you're, you're up, Milty. Uh, yeah, okay, ten seconds, five seconds, time, Sammy, you're next." 
And almost every single story was about Jack Benny, the beloved Jack Benny, departed night of the round table. Um, <laughs> uh, he really was a beloved man. Well, I have to tell you, I mean, I'm glad you told that story just now because uh, that chapter in your book is worth the price of admission just by itself. I mean, <laughs> oh, just thanks. just the mental the mental picture of Milton Berle doing a Chico Marx impression is you know, is, and is I even priceless. say in the book, there's no way I could write it as funny as it truly was, <laughs> but I, I hope that I got close. Uh, Uncle Milton was just he was just such a great character, and there's there's certain you know he was a pretty bawdy fella too. So there's a, a few stories I could tell about him that I won't do on the air, but. Uh, Suffice it to say, it was just it was a delicious experience for both Pop and I. Well, you know, I couldn't help wondering as I as I read this book. I mean, I think most young boys look up to their dads. They want to think the best of them. They admire them. Usually later in life, they think, oh, my dad, what a jerk, you know, blah, blah, blah. And at some point, maybe later on, they'll have a reconciliation and realize, hey, he was a pretty nice guy after all. I don't get the impression that you went through that, that period of, oh, my gosh, my dad, what a jerk. The awful hard thing to do with Jack Lemmon again. You know, I mean, this, you know, he, he's just... He's just the antithesis of a jerk, isn't he? You know, he he was just a wonderful guy, and and also that's just kind of not the way I'm wrapped. You know, I it's it just it, it, it's you know life is too short, and and you know and and the one thing that we're really the gift the great gifts we're given are, are are the ability to love one another and the ability to remember the wonderful times we have with each other, and uh, you know I. I'm a big, firm believer of, you know, you get dealt your hand to cards, you sit down at the table and you play them. And what are you going to do, fold? It's, it's, and I had this wonderful guy who was not just a great father, but was my best friend. And the only real regret I have is that he was taken from me too early. And as, as much as I loved him and as close as I was to him, it, you know, you just don't know what you've got until it's gone. I, I really thought that we had covered all the bases of the father-son thing, and it wasn't until after he left and there was this vacuous hole, this space in my life, that I had no explanation for. It took me a year to figure out what the hell it was. I thought maybe it was midlife crisis or depression or something, but no, it was, oh my God, you know, that guy who I'd always looked up to my entire life for approval, for, yeah, kid, you know, that the, the hand on the shoulder, you're headed in the right direction, you're headed down the right path, even, even if it's just the, the slightest touch on, on that shoulder. You don't know how much that is, how much that means until it's gone. And I think that's specific to the father-son relationship. And it's, it's a really, it's, it's, it's kind of a mystery. Um, and that's what I tried to explore uh, in this book. And I think it's also a very timely subject. I mean, I, I, I noticed that Tim Russert's got a, got a book out about it. Uh, there's a couple of books out about it right now. And so people are really interested in this. And that kind of fascinates me, too, that all of a sudden, People are taking a look at what used to be almost forbidden territory. You know, sure you love your dad, but don't you dare wear your heart on your sleeve because that's just not what men do. And uh, maybe this is a harbinger that the times are changing for the better, um, and that would certainly be uh, be good news for all of us. I tell you, I've been waiting since the '80s for the end, finally at long last, the end to the mommy dearest, daddy dearest kind of books. Well, you know, I, I, I really thought long and hard about this, and first of all, and most, but this book, you know, I, most importantly, I didn't want it to be self-indulgent, self-piteous in any way. That just wasn't my father. It's not me, and it's not this book. Um, you know, I mean, if you take a look at his really great performances, uh, you know, Ensign Pulver, you know, he, he, he blows up his fulminate of mercury, and this, you know, but there was never one moment of self-pity or, 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 or self-indulgence. Uh, even better example, C.C. Brown in the apartment. You know, he may have been a bit nefarious in, in, in what he was trying to do, but he did it with the utmost dignity. 
Pop was such a dignified guy, and I, he raised the bar wherever he went, and I really wanted this book to emulate that. Um, and I, you know, I, I really hope that it did. Uh, but most importantly, our, our sons and daughters, you know, our, our, our beautiful children, they're coming home from Iraq in body bags right now. And the last thing I wanted to do was, you know, say, oh, poor me, here's the star's kid crying into his cup of tea. I mean, what, where's the dignity in that? And so uh, I thought long and hard before I put pen to paper. And, and uh, you know, and I had a great role model. I just hope I, I did my father justice. I think I, I don't think you have anything to worry about there. I, I I also found it fascinating because you talk in great detail in your book about your father's friendship with Walter Matthau. Yeah, and I couldn't help but think you know last fall Jack Klugman was around. He's got a new book out uh, about his friendship with Tony Randall. I'm thinking, all right, here's Klugman and Randall. Oh, they were in the Odd Couple. Mm-hmm. Here's Matthew and Lemon. Oh, they were in the Odd Couple. I wonder if there's something about Neil Simon that brings guys together to form fast friendships. Well, God bless Neil Simon. He was was sweet enough. To, to uh, you know, I, I incorporated a chapter at the end of the book mm-hmm. uh, where we invited a few of Pop's friends and colleagues to share their reminiscences of Pop, and Neil was one of them. He wrote a lovely few pages, and uh, you know, and Jack is a dear friend. As a matter of fact, I, I, as soon as the book tour is over, I resume pre-production uh, on my film, Publicity Stunt, that I wrote and produced, and will be uh, directing and starring in, and we uh, will be starting principal photography in October. And Jack has a wonderful scene in it, uh, you know. Uh, so it's it's wonderful that you mentioned the book. As a matter of fact, I had lunch with him right right as it was coming out. And he ah. his tour, and mm-hmm. what a delightful guy oh, yes. he is. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think that you know, again, harping, uh, going back to harping, <laughs> going back to what I was uh, uh, saying before. I think people are all of a sudden. It's it, it, this year for some reason. All of a sudden, maybe it's all the travails that we're going through in, in the world right now. But people are beginning to realize. Wait a minute, man. What's really important? In life, you know what? What is? What's it all about, Alfie? As my my dear friend Cliff Robertson loves to say, um, and it really is about your, your friends, your family, the love you share with them. That's what it all boils down to. And we're all so caught up in in this in this goal-oriented world of ours that we tend to lose sight of that. And I hope I hope that I can remind people without hitting it right over the head. I really didn't want to do this in the book. I want to write between the lines as much as I could uh, that. That is what it is all about, and and you know don't don't lose sight of that in the rat race. Uh, that it really is about the ones you love. Go to those people, tell them you love them because they might not be there tomorrow. After the short break, Chris Lemon remembers the time he upstaged his dad. Now back to my 2006 interview with Chris Lemon. There's a lot of parents, it strikes me also, that as soon as their children show the slightest aptitude or interest in show business, they are pushing them. They're the stage mothers, the stage fathers. Did your father, when, I mean, because you were, you were looking at a show business career in music or, or an acting, did your father try to propel you in one direction or another? No, actually, it's, it's interesting because that always, always worries me. And it's not just in showbiz. I see it a lot. I, I, you know, I, we, we've chosen to raise our children here in Connecticut, which is a wonderful place to raise kids. But boy, man, when they when when they talk about sports here, it's a serious subject, and you know I see parents doing that on a lot of different fronts, and I don't know that it's necessarily that they're living vicariously through their children, but I certainly think that has a little something to do with it. As far as Pop and I were concerned, uh, he was really very laid back, and I think the little uh, the vignette Jack Lemon son, uh, uh, really uh, without again hitting it over the head, really uh, uh, does paint that picture that. He laid back. He wanted me to be able to learn my own lessons. Um, and I'll paraphrase myself in that 
all my life I'd gone through. I, 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 write the, I wrote the, the vignette Jack Lemon's Son, all one word, because to, to deal with one of the difficult things about being a star's kid, which is being identified as an object and not as a person. You're identified as Jack Lemon's son, not as Chris Lemon. And it can be a little tough to deal with, um, but of course, I mean, with with a pop like you know, like pop, it, it wasn't all that tough. But there was, uh, as I get towards the end of that vignette, I tell the story that one day I, I had had some success. I'd done a few series, a few movies, blah blah blah. And, we were walking through a mall, and everybody, for some strange, weird reason, everybody was, was hitting on me for autographs and paying attention to me <laughs> and ignoring Pop. And, of course, Pop was taking it in the usual Jack Lemon stride, sort of in the background, going, hey, Dad, a big, big movie star over here. Hello. Hello. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and finally walks over, and he puts an arm on my shoulder and says, uh, you know, or puts a hand on my shoulder and says, well, there you go, kiddo. All your life you've been Jack Lemon's son, and now it's who's the old fart with Chris Lemon. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it just hit me like a two-by-four that, you know, he knew the whole time, but he gave me my space because he realized this was a life lesson. And there's no way to teach a life lesson with words. The only way to teach life, to learn a life lesson is through experiencing it. And he had the wherewithal and the discipline to sit back and, you know, he could have easily sat down next to me and said, well, son, let me tell you how it is. But he didn't, you know. He let me learn my own lessons. And, uh... That, that couldn't have been. That, that that took a lot of discipline on his part. I've got to think because I know he adored me, and uh, and he, I know he watched me like an eagle. But I found out so much about Pop, uh, especially after he was gone, from stories people would tell me about what he said about me, as averse to what he said directly to me. I don't know how to put my finger on on whether I think that's a good thing or a bad thing or why. Uh, but I simply paint the picture and I let us all draw our own conclusions from it. Uh, it certainly is a magnanimous thing for him to do. And I think of all those stories, I don't mean to ramble on about this, but it's a very good question. I want to answer it thoroughly, Bill. Uh, of all those stories, the one that touched me the most deeply was one my wife uh, told me after Pop had passed away, which was uh, uh, about the film Missing, which is one, one of his favorite, and I think one of his most important mm-hmm. films, the Costa Gavras film. And, of course, in the film, uh, he plays Charles Horman, who in real life lost his son to a South American regime. Um, under under very shady circumstances, uh, and he goes down to try and find that son. Of course, not only does he not find him, uh, he never really sees him through the course of his journey. And in order to play that, uh, in order to play his recollection of his son emotionally, I found out later on he was using me uh, to recall those emotions. Every time he would think about his missing son, he'd think about me. Mm. And Gina told me that after he passed away, and uh, that was the source of a long, hard cry on that one, um, you know. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. You know, I, I have to ask you along those same lines. Years ago, I'd interviewed uh, Yul Brynner's son, Rock, mm-hmm. uh, and he recalled seeing his father, quote-unquote, die on stage for the first time when he was yeah. little, and he was terrified. He thought, yeah. what, what's wrong with Daddy? Did, do you recall ever having a... St- yeah, it happened to me when I saw on, on another one of Pop's really important political films, China Syndrome. Um, I, I, I'd never seen him die before, and, uh, or if I had, it hadn't had an impact. And uh, I was at an age where, you know, I was, it could be impacted on uh, when China Syndrome was made. And if you remember, in the end, it's a, it's a really brilliantly uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, directed scene. He gets shot in the back, but you see it from the front. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, and, and it, it that that was a toughie for me. That was the first time it ever really, you know, uh, yeah, that that one got me. Yes, was that the, was that wasn't the very first time in a film he died? Was it? I don't think it was. No, I think he died in Fire Down Below. But it was, yeah, I, it was just one of those things where that was the time that got me for some reason. Maybe it was mm-hmm. because it was such a. Uh, a, you know, a shocking death scene, uh, and it was so well played and so well shot and so realistic, almost a journalistic looking scene uh, as the whole film was shot. A brilliantly produced film. Great job by Michael Douglas on that film. Um, but uh, yeah, that 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 one got me. I literally was in the theater. I, I I almost jumped up out of my chair. You know, it was one of those. It was like an involuntary you know reaction. Wow. And, uh, yeah. So yes, I know exactly what Rock felt. Oh gee, it's it's wild, isn't it? You know that yeah. uh, you know <laughs> you're up there watching your pop. I mean, you know, I'm an actor myself. I've watched myself die on the screen. I didn't have that reaction. <laughs> I've watched myself die in more ways than one, Bill. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say there was a... <laughs> but, uh, many m- but, many deaths in. No, that was the one that got me. (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, there are also the incredibly touching ones, like Tuesday with Maury, you know, uh, which which has, you know, as a matter of fact, I'm talking with Mitch in a few days. You know, he's just such a talented fella. Um, But uh, it's, you know, that, you know, watching Pop go in that one. And I must be also honest in in writing this, you know, writing the ending of this Mm -hmm. book, uh, there was... A lot of tears shed here in in the solitude of my little studio where I work. Uh, You know, it's 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 when you have an actor of that caliber, it's it's very hard to suspend suspend the reality. I mean, you you buy it, you believe it. You know, when you're watching Jack Lemmon work, you believe it. Yeah, no, I I know exactly what you mean. It's not not like watching John Wayne take a bullet on a horse, you know, in an old western or something. Well, I, I got nothing <laughs> bad to say about John Wayne either. I, no, I that's true. That's true. I, but I mean, you 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 kind of realize, oh yeah, that's just ketchup, you know. Yeah, it's just yeah, uh, absolutely. Not. Jack Lemon died in two thousand one. He was seventy six. Chris Lemon will be sixty eight later this month. He lives in Connecticut. And you can find easy Amazon links to Chris Lemon's books at our website, HeardEverything.com. And while you're at HeardEverything.com, be sure and listen to my 1991 interview with the son of another very famous and iconic actor, Ewell Brynner, my conversation with his son, Rock Brynner. When I grew up, I was assured by everyone I knew, from school to everywhere I went, that my father was the king. People wanted him to be the king. And my conversation with the daughter of famed comedian Richard Pryor. My 2007 conversation with Rain Pryor. Everyone's so related to him, and I think that's why people loved him, is that he was so truthful and so brought those people alive that you just wanted to laugh with him and hug him. And of course, we post new episodes of Now I've Heard Everything here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can find us on all major podcast platforms. And thanks for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything. It's been 50 years since the third-rate burglary that touched off the Watergate scandal that eventually brought down a president, thanks in large part to the work of hardworking journalists. So next time on Now I've Heard Everything, my 1995 interview with the editor of the Washington Post, Ben Bradley. You know, without Richard Milhouse Nixon, I probably wouldn't be right here. You wouldn't have uh, been interested in me or my memoirs. He propelled all of us at the Post onto the public stage. That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. Thompson.